Welcome to Connecting Citizens to Science, a podcast from the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine about engaging communities in global health research. I'm Kim Ozano. And I'm B. Eggard, and throughout this series, we'll be talking to researchers from around the world, exploring how they connect with people to address a range of challenges in global health. Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Vectorborne Disease series of the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. I'm B. Eggard from the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine, and I'm here today with my co-host Fatu Jaite. Fatu, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you, B. I'm happy to co-host with you. Um, I'm a social scientist uh, working at the Institute of Tropical Medicine. Um, I work uh, mainly in malaria um, in West Africa and also now starting projects in the Horn of Africa. Great, thank you. And today on this episode, we're joined by two brilliant guests, Professor Charles Mbogo from the Kenya Medical Research Institute and Hamouda Totokafi from the Federal Ministry of Health in Khartoum in Sudan. Professor Mbogo is Chief Research Scientist and Public Health Entomologist at Kemri, and he's also currently the President of the Pan-African Mosquito Control Association, and Hamouda is Vet Control Advisor to the Sudanese government. In this episode, we're going to be discussing how communities can be engaged in vector control, looking at the successes and challenges of approaches like integrated vector management, or IVM, and the role that social mobilization can play in sustaining effective vector control. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the podcast, Charles and Hamuda. Thank you. So we'd like to begin the podcast today by hearing a little bit about the kinds of projects that you both work on and the contexts that you work in. So Charles, could I begin with you? Could we hear a bit about the projects and the context that you work in? Thank you very much, Bea. Uh, on the projects that I work in in Kenya, I mainly work on integrated vector management. And the way I use on integrated vector management is I use a term that I call it in adaptive integrated vector management. I will explain that further what that means. I also work on vector surveillance for malaria vectors and the profile of factors in, in Kenya, as well as now extending it to other, East, uh, other African countries through PAMCA. Uh, we are also doing a lot of work on insect and resistance, as well as understanding the transmission dynamics and malaria of malaria and malaria residue transmission. Basically, that's all what I do in most of my life. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, actually, uh, I'm, I'm doing here in Minister of Health uh, an integrated vector management, and we talk uh, generally about integrated vector management that. Uh, in the broad way, and this already started in Sudan since 2007. We did the comprehensive uh, vector control need assessment. After that, we we developed uh, the integrated vector management strategic plan, the first one in Sudan, 2005 to 2007. And at that time, same time, we got a project uh, joined between uh, London School, Liverpool School, and uh, HQ in impact of subside resistance. And here in Sudan, we have a good experience about uh, uh, integrated vector management. And now Sudan implementing the third strategic plan of integrated vector management. And actually, uh, regards this, uh, Sudan uh, 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 faced the challenges of the emerging vector-borne disease. Now, uh, 
we have part of the country have, uh, for example, arbovirus uh, outbreaks, and we use uh, the integrated vector manager for control of this. And what we did, uh, actually, we built the vector surveillance system for all vector-borne disease. And uh, also, uh, we we have a system for uh, uh, monitoring of insecticide resistance. And in addition of that, now Sudan uh, going forward to uh, to implement uh, capacity building all over the country, starting from national, state, and, and uh, administrative level. This is what and Sudan have good experience on this uh, targeting. For example, you have good example of Khartoum malaria-free initiative using uh, integrated vector management. This is what we're doing and continue uh, in Sudan. Great. Thanks so much. That's a really good setting of the scene for the rest of the podcast. Thank you. So um, we'd like to ask a little bit more um, specifically about the integrated vector management approach and how it works for people that are unfamiliar with the term. So, um, Charles, could you tell us a little bit more about what integrated vector management is and the kinds of different approaches that it encompasses? Okay, thank you very much. Uh, integrated vector management, as defined by WHO, is a national decision-making process uh, that provides an optimal use of resources for vector control. So here we are talking about a decision-making process we're also taking about national use of resources. So basically, uh, if you integrate all the things that you have and basically use uh, traditional vector control measures, like the use of beddiness, the use of spraying inside houses, the use of ben, uh, level source management, all these can be traditionally integrated. And this is basically some of the principles of integrated vector management that we refer to as integration. The next thing that also uh, is about the IVM is basically about the decision-making process, which could be technical, could be programmatic or management information of the information that we have already collected. And then it's also engaging communities to promote sustainability. So one of the key things is actually community engagement in vector control. And the next thing is actually, it encourages multi-disease approaches where you only don't go to tackle only one disease, but you also tackle several other diseases. For instance, you can go to areas where you have malaria, but you also have lymphatic filiasis. These are all caused by the same factors but you don't want to leave to understand that the tools that we are going to use to reduce malaria also reduce the disease rebatic filiasis. So you need to understand the local ecology of the area that we are going to work. The other thing that we also think about is about anti-focacy, mobilization, and communication. This is key because definitely whatever information that you get, you need to analyze it and share that information, disseminate it to the communities, disseminate it to the policymakers and other areas that you, you, you require them to be uh, addressed. Then you need to keep on monitoring and evaluating the tools that you are actually using in order to understand what you are doing is the right thing and you're actually achieving your objectives. 
So that is why we talk about integrated infector management as a rational decision-making process and the, the optimal use of the resources that we have. We know that we have minimal resources that we can be able to use, but with them and the existing tools that we have, we can be able even to go far because if you use them correctly, then you can only be able to achieve what we have. In Kenya, we have been using what I refer to adaptive vector control or adaptive integrated vector management. That means doing learning by doing. In other ones, you are working with the communities and the system, the approach that we use is what we refer to as the bottom-up approach instead of the top-down approach. The reason is that you empower the communities to make the right decisions. You make the communities to collect the information, analyze that information, and then make decision what needs to be done. To be done. Then you have a team that provides the technical assistance to the communities, and that way they can be able to sustain that program. So you are actually promoting sustainability by the communities. If you use an adaptive uh, integrated vector management that I meant by uh, learning by doing. And I'll give you a very simple example. You go to a community and ask the people, what do you really have here? So first of all, you start with by doing what we call the vector control needs assessment. But the community will tell you exactly what they have. They will tell you we have so many mosquitoes, but unfortunately they do not understand this mosquito transmits what, this mosquito transmits what, but consider them as disease factors, all of them, including the ones that are nuisance biting. The community doesn't need to understand this is mosquitoes that transmit malaria, this is mosquitoes that transmit hepatic filariasis, this is mosquitoes that transmits uh, uh, yellow fever or anything like that. But talk to about mosquitoes generally in that case. And the moment you tell them that and you show them exactly how those mosquitoes look like, they will really understand and learn at that level. Great. Thanks so much, Charles. That was a really, really insightful answer and so much, so much interesting content there. Um, I think that idea of sustainability and how these involving communities can help ensure that sustainability beyond sort of research funding and project budgets is a really interesting point. And we're going to come back to that later in the podcast. So thank you so much for that answer. Um, Hamuda, could we get some insights from you on how, um, what integrated vector management looks like in Khartoum? Um, what sort of approaches are combined under an integrated vector management umbrella in your context? Okay, thank you very much. Uh, actually, uh in the scarcity of resources in Sudan uh, in early uh, 2005, uh, Sudan uh, uh, take the action approach of WHO to, to follow integrated vector management approach in Sudan. And as I mentioned before, we started, uh, did uh, a comprehensive uh, vector control need assessment. And by that report, we identified the challenges and the gaps and opportunities that could support us in implementing this uh, integrated vector management and we took opportunity of that and we reformed the first integrated vector management and a part of this integrated vector management we reformed uh, uh, IBM strategic plan and besides that we already have two projects for to get uh, the big uh, two big cities of uh, Sudan 
to be free from malaria, including Khartoum and with Medina in Jazeera states. And this, we consider this is the two model uh, used uh, integrated victor management in Sudan. Uh, what did uh, Ferris after after the, we identify all the challenges and uh, what the first point we start integrated victor management? We we uh, engage or uh, put uh, victor control or integrated victor management to be a part of health policy in the country in all levels, uh, starting from national, state, locality, and admin unit. Before in Sudan, we, we follow four admin uh, system. And after that, immediately we start to state the integrated victor management units at all levels. This is uh, the first one. After that, uh, the real implementation of uh, the integrated victor management uh, start in Sudan. What we did in Khartoum in 2000, from 2002, to 2005, uh, 2008 is uh, reforming the project called Khartoum Malaria Free Initiative. And the first thing done here is the stratification of Khartoum State. So Khartoum State is stratified to uh, four, four strata. The first one is the real urban area. Uh, if we call it urban area, that means uh, the breeding site, even the type of disease is different and then the pre-urban and then rural areas. After that, uh, around Khartoum, we have like IDBs areas. And all this, the intervention is allocated for each, uh, for each stratum. And, and in all this stratum, community is engaged. Uh, we, we reform use against malaria uh, in part in the urban city. And then we work closely with uh, Minister of Education to involve school children in malaria control. And after that, uh, uh, also we have in Sudan like uh, so, uh, uh, social uh, social society, uh, they evolve also. And then what we did, uh, we train them and they lead the work in, the, in their community. Just uh, uh, the Minister of Health or the uh, locality or state, they support him by the, the them by technical uh, information. After that, they doing the real implementation. And this work of Khartoum uh, uh, Free Initiative is already uh, published in Lancet and well known now. Khartoum Dar es Salaam, and the, we have like uh, uh, three case study uh, in that uh, paper with uh, London School. Uh, tropical medicine. And uh, after that, uh, we, we said after the development, we have like initiative of capacity building. For example, we have a Blue Nile National Health Project. Uh, this Blue Nile National Institute for Communicable Disease, we reformed an MSCC of medical entomology and victor control and start 2006 to, to capacitate the victor control term in Sudan. And I can say you now, uh, we train more than 240 uh, medical entomologists at MSCC level from that institute. Uh, uh, also, we uh, collaborated with uh, the Faculty of Science Khartoum University also. Uh, also, they graduate more than, more than uh, 60, uh, 60 MSCC holder. And also, uh, we take also opportunity of the projects, as I mentioned, 
uh, of the supported by Gate Foundation through the in collaboration with Labor Board School and London School, and myself and other colleagues, we did a BHD uh, as people that leading vector control in Sudan. Uh, we consider that uh, the integrated vector management in Sudan, we see an abroad uh, approach that could uh, or supporting the country to control all vector-borne uh, diseases, including the arbovirus. And now I see the blade show reform the tag for arbovirus. And now uh, me, myself, I'm a part of that uh, committee. I think this is a good opportunity and we continue. Uh, uh, just I need to mention that there are many challenges. We can discuss this later on. There are challenges, but we still continue doing integrated vector management. And now I can see the coverage of the uh, main intervention this is going well, for example, integrated uh, indoor usable spray, uh, long-lasting net distribution. Uh, we have the problem of utilization, but we consider we can go very well because now we start doing community advocacy to increase the utilization of long-lasting net that will support uh, the, vic uh, the, the victors that transmit malaria, leishmaniasis, uh, and this will, will support us much to do uh, regarding vector-borne disease in terms of integrated vector management. Great. Thank you so much, Hamouda. And that sounds like it's been yeah, a real success in Sudan, which is, which is great to hear. Um, I think it's really interesting the points you were making about the different stakeholders that are engaged. Um, and something that Fatu is going to follow up on more is the role of multi-sectoral collaboration. Um, and how that and how that features in IVM. So I'm going to hand over to Fatu now, who's going to ask a few more questions about this approach. Yeah, I'd say the explanation so far has been very insightful in terms of understanding what uh, uh, integrated vector management control means. Um, um, what I would like to touch on, it's as B said, is on the idea of having different stakeholders being involved, and what I could pick up from. Uh, what both of you have said is that this is on, on different levels, not just uh, you have the community members and you have different ways of involving them in terms of approaching them um, and their participation in leading up to also the sustainability of these programs. But I also wanted to touch on from your own experience how you've looked at uh, involving other sectors as well, right? Um, that might not be the community for in, and also not only the government side, but the non-governmental aspects. So I would like you to explain to me if this has been involved in your work and how you've been able to do it uh, in terms of how collaborations come into, into play. Um, so I'll start with um, uh, Charles, if you can touch on these things. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, <clears throat> in terms of collaborations, this is very key because you can don't do you cannot do the works alone and whenever you are doing work in any community you need to know who are other stakeholders in that area and how can you synergize that work that you are doing that can complement each other and so uh, we worked both inter collaborations and intra collaborations with the ministry of health and with other ministries like the ministries of Agriculture, Ministry of Education, and Ministry of Environment. Those were key ministries, plus NGOs or non-governmental organizations that work in the area, and also looking at the faith-based organizations 
and the community-based organizations. So all these were key stakeholders that we approached, then together with the Ministry of Health, handed good discussions and trying to compare notes on which areas do we escalate and which areas do we improve on. And from there, we came up with a, a kind of a plan how we will be sharing information every three months. And then we can now be able to provide that information to the Department of Health and also to the communities, depending on what each one of us is doing. Because for us, we are basically working on the vectors. Other groups who are working on drug delivery, especially for the treatment of malaria in hunt-rich areas. Other places like groups like Landy Cross were also doing uh, areas where they would be able to supply materials to those areas which are hunt-rich areas. And other groups were really working on management of uh, cases of malaria and how they can be uh, treated quickly and passing that information. And so we were all looking at all these things. So we, we, we had set up a system where that collaboration is key. Within the Ministry of Health, we went to schools and set up what we call the school mosquito scouts, mosquito scout clubs. And these clubs were training the young people on how to find breeding sites for mosquitoes. And then they can now be able to travel back home and tell the parents how and what is important on looking around and finding the level breeding sites. So we used the children as agents of change, and it was very, very successful. The other thing is that within the community, we had young people who had actually left school and were actually elected by the community members in these areas where we were working, who we trained in surveillance, in vector surveillance. And these people were referred to as the mosquito doctors. Or in other ones, they were mosquito scouts. They go scouting for mosquitoes every week. And when they come back, they sit down and analyze that information. And we provided the technical assistant to this team. And once we provide this technical assistant to this team, these teams now go back to the community and dispense that information to the community members. And also then we also hand what we call the neighborhood campaigns. The neighborhood campaigns is that the mosquito scouts or the people who are, who are working from the communities will travel to areas and work with the community people. And also those neighbors, if, you know, we call them houses. People, you go house to house. And if the owner of the other house is not available, then we leave that information with the owner of the person who we have already talked to, to pass the information to the neighbor. And this is what we are calling neighborhood campaigns. And every year also, we also hand what we call the annual mosquito week. This is a time you do the village, uh, or we call it clean up village, remove all the things that could cause mosquitoes to breed in, and you could also be able to pass more information. In other words, we are creating more awareness about what mosquitoes are, what mosquitoes do, and if you don't control what normally happens. And if you don't do 
how you affect your 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 neighbor and all that. So these were all these things that we did. And in addition, in addition to that, the other stakeholders were also providing the same information in the same forum. And we would be able to share that information very easily. And so we worked very well at the community level, at the bottom, at the ground level as a community level. But us as a team from research institutions, we also started working from the top down using the, 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 the National Malaria Control Team to understand what are they doing in addition to creating more awareness on the people to use the conventional uh, interventions, the use of bed nets, the use of spraying inside houses, and the use of drugs to treat people. Can they be able to add things that the community can be able to do, like... Uh, removing breeding sites for mosquitoes by either uh, feeding them or draining them and other things like that. And so we started talking with the ministry so that they can have us to start developing a policy on integrated vector management. And that is coming down now. So when it reaches at the bottom, it is easily accepted than when it is a top-down issue. One of the problems actually we faced was actually seeing that the people always looked at the government to do things for them. But when we were doing a bottom-up approach, the community actually took up the, proce the process itself and they owned it. In other words, they were involved from the beginning and they owned it. So sustainability was not a problem and you can be able to see exactly the results very easily. So that's about how the inter- intra-collaborations and the inter-collaborations worked with all the ministries and other stakeholders that were present in that area. Thank you. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, I think you very well uh, explained how you've involved multiple stakeholders, uh, but in addition to that, uh, use a combination of approaches, um, combining both a bottom-up approach in terms of strengthening the involvement of the community members, but also including uh, aspects of a top-down from the ministerial level uh, up down to other sectors that might not also be involved with the government. Um, I think this kind of shows an aspect of multi-sectorial approach uh, in terms of the vector control aspects. Um, coming to Hamuda, I think still on this issue of how to involve different stakeholders, um, I also want to talk about uh, and touch on, I think Charles mentioned this before, uh, also in terms of understanding the ecology and the environment that you're working in, right? And I think in Sudan, because you mentioned this wide-scale implementation of uh, integrated vector management. So I just wanted to ask from your experience um, how, based on different stratifications of both urban and rural areas, how you were able to uh, use this sort of approach of involving different stakeholders. Um, how did you identify who was necessary? Because it could be that you have different kind of stakeholders based not just on the ecology of the vector, but also who's present in the environment. So did you find differences based on uh, uh, urban and rural areas? And how did you go about this in terms of involving different stakeholders? Okay, thank you. Uh, as, as I mentioned uh, before, actually, uh, the community involvement in, uh, in the integrated vector management is a start from 
uh, what I mentioned, uh, for example, in the beginning, uh, what, what we did, uh, their training of community leaders, them uh, from our side, and uh, also we, we trained the youth as uh, reforms, uh, subsidies of our youth against malaria. Uh, also, we worked in collaboration with uh, many sectors, including Minister of Agriculture, Minister of Industry, Minister of Environment, and all these people uh, together working uh, in Ishi Strata. Uh, for example, if I must start from agriculture sector, uh, we work with them in two issues, uh, because normally the city like Khartoum is surrounded by small farms. These small farms, uh, the intermediate irrigation approach is, uh, is already implemented during that era, 2002, 2008, 2010. And, uh, what, what happened in this area, uh, already we, uh, the, the, like the the union of agriculture or the farmers is already implement as uh, intermediate irrigation. They select one day that means all farm must be uh, dryness, and this implemented well in under supervision of Khartoum Minister of Health uh, supervision. Uh, we have trained people, squad leaders. They go to the field and check the specified day. That means all farmers in the in the, in the area must be dry. Uh, this one of the approach that follow it and reduce the breeding site by more than 90% in, in these target areas. Uh, regarding uh, school children, as I mentioned, involved in the, in the school, every breeding site at the school or surround outside the school uh, in the radius of uh, 200 meters outside of the school should be checked by, by all uh, pupils or, or uh, uh, students and in each in each uh, uh, school, they are focal person. Uh, we called him that malaria focal person in the uh, in the in the school. He follow uh, the students. They do uh, like one of the one one of the uh, of the session uh, on daily basis will be for malaria. Uh, they check all uh, target breeding site inside uh, the school and outside surrounding outside of the school also. Uh, this is uh, working very well. Uh, and our monitoring people, they go into the field and check if there are any missed uh, uh, breeding sites. And this also a success, one of the success stories. Uh, another thing uh, regarding malaria tra uh, treatment, because in Sudan, sometimes we have a problem of the treatment accessibility. Uh, uh, Volunteer trend in malaria home management. In more than hundred, more than thousand uh, community uh, leaders, they trend to be uh, to be a focal person for malaria home management. And what we they train them, they give him the RDTs and uh, ACTs, and they make check if you got malaria. That means they will give you the target dose and target treatment. If uh, there are a bit complication in the uh, in the case, they refer him to go to the to the hospital that to meet the the doctor. This is one of the success story also uh, in Sudan. Start in area called uh, Kurdufan. After that, expanded for all over the country. Uh, another thing also uh, for the Minister of Industry in Sudan, we have sugarcane projects. 
this sugarcane project is involved in malaria transmission because uh, a part of the community uh, support because uh, all areas that involve uh, villages uh, surround the, the, the industry area, uh, they should, they should uh, support them. And uh, for that reason, all uh, irrigated schemes, they have like a unit for control of malaria plus schistosomatous uh, control because this is produced from the project. This is kind of collaboration we uh, also uh, did. Uh, uh, another thing, the community itself. Uh, in the, for example, when we need to do the community uh, distribution of long-lasting nets or long-lasting treated nets, also we start from the beginning by the community itself. Uh, the community leader already to be oriented and they nominate volunteer from target village. After that, we make the orientation for them. They go and register uh, community house to house. And finally, they themselves, they distribute the long-lasting debt for the target community after under supervision of uh, technical staff that coming from national, state, locality, or admin unit. This is also uh, another, another kind of, of well. Uh, uh, this also, uh, actually, uh, there are many interventions also uh, for a part of IBM is supported by partners because here we have uh, uh, international NGOs. We have, for example, UNICEF, WHO, UNDB, uh, all, all of them together, they, they support uh, integrated vector management intervention itself. That means uh, besides the government, there are other, there are other donors or partners support intervention. For example, since 2005, all long-lasting net distributed in Sudan, more than uh, 40 million, is supported by Global Fund, a part of them by UNICEF, by UNDB, not by government. Government uh, not involved even in the procurement of long-lasting net. This already from the partners. And I think this is the way that we can uh, support. But what, what we're working now, uh, now we have uh, national irrigated schemes Big irrigated scheme, for example, in Jazeera State, we have the biggest irrigated scheme in Africa. Now we're working with these uh, uh, irrigated schemes to support indoor residual spread. And even Global Fund uh, already support a part of this uh, indoor residual spread, about 60%. We have remaining 40% of target community. Now we did assessment on all irrigated schemes. And this... Uh, Irrigated scheme administrative, they will support the implementation of indoor residual spray in target areas that remain not covered by global fund. I think this is the way that we could, we could afford this intervention without, uh, with sustainability. Because if every intervention just based on the international donors, if the other donors support, uh, stop, that means we are, we are in terrible. For that reason, we're working. To, to avail uh, intervention, uh, intervention supported by local community himself, including uh, the community himself, irrigated schemes, local government, administrative unit. Uh, yeah, this is the way that we, we consider that will be support. But as I mentioned, we have a challenge. A part of this challenge sometimes, this intervention, the problem of sustainability. Yes, and this is one of the 
points I wanted to uh, now touch on, which is uh, because I think you've both kind of touched on very well in terms of how uh, to involve different stakeholders, but also how successful uh, uh, the implementation has been in different aspects. So I think yeah, with everything, of course, there might be challenges that you faced. So I think if you can touch on those uh, those challenges, uh, it will be insightful uh, for the audience. And I think looking at these challenges, we will all, because focus also being on communities, if you face sort of like ethical challenges as well, if you can also touch on that. So I think, Hamuda, you can just continue on uh, that aspect and then we can go on to uh, Professor Charles for the next aspect. Okay. Thank you. Uh, uh, regarding challenges, I can consider uh, the, the problem of the sustainability. Uh, for example, in Khartoum, this is working very well during that era, 2002-2010. But after that, they are like uh, uh, we experience some fatigue in part in part of the community. It is not working well because why? Because the supervision it is not like the follow up because follow up is very important one. You have to monitor, to follow if there are any problem, to overcome the problem. In 2000, for example, in 2016, we miss more than 100 entomologists. They, they are going to Gulf countries because the, the, the work here is not satisfaction. They go uh, to Gulf countries. This is the real problem. For that reason, we consider how to overcome this. That means we need a staff retention system in the country. Maybe this is one of the issues. Uh, the, because uh, also uh, local resources, because as I mentioned, sometimes you have initiative supported from international donors. If the, the money of interna international donors stops, that means sometimes uh, if you, you having uh, like uh, local resources, we will face a problem. This is one of the issues. And another thing also, the uh, the overcome of uh, training staff, as I mentioned, and also uh, some project is built on the experience of people. If they left the position, that means this uh, this work not followed by remaining staff well. This is one of the issue also, and maybe also uh, the financial crisis happened uh, over the world also. Uh, uh, stop some training that we're doing routinely. For example, uh, every year at that time, we train more than two to three hundred community leaders all over the country to support the, uh, the implementation of integrated vector management. This is uh, part of issue. Uh, also, there are technical uh, intervention also, for example, monitoring of insecticide resistance is uh, going well, but sometimes not done. And this also I'm, see, I'm seeing this is one of the gaps uh, maybe need to, to be overcome. Okay, thank uh, you. And Charles, uh, for your part of work, uh, have you had challenges that you have to uh, that you faced? And um, in terms of the communities, if there are also ethical aspects that you think are important to kind of highlight here, it will be very good to hear from your experience. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, what I'm saying is that challenges are always there. And they are normally many. And so in most cases, then what we really need to understand is when do you start and when do you end? So especially when you are starting a program, you need to be open-minded 
and involve the community from the beginning. Do not come at the last end and start telling them, this is how it is. Involve the community from the beginning. Otherwise, they'll just passively take the information and think that is your program. And when it finishes, that will become a problem of sustainability, as Amunda has actually said. The other thing is that plan with them, see what is there, and because you are using the local ecology of the disease to understand the problem, then you can be able even to develop the local resources together with the team, and they can be able to use how they are going to do that. As an example, I found that people thought that I'm using special tools for sampling mosquitoes, but I told them, no, you can make your own to sample larval mosquitoes. And actually they started making and they won't be able to do it at their own time, any moment. And even the children that we trained, they were doing their own materials. So making their technology very easy. The other thing is that uh, although we did not encounter any ethical issues, ethical issues are always there. Because if, for instance, they were given nets which were white in color, and they did not want those nets. That means the team that was actually bringing these nets as, a, as an intervention did not seek the cultural issues within the community. So there are cultural issues that you need to consider at all times. Otherwise, you will not succeed in that community. In the community that I worked in, white nets are considered to cover people who are dead. And therefore, if you are going to sleep under a white net, demonstrate means you are considering that person as dead. And so many nets were actually returned back to the administration and they wondered why. So in all this particular case, we took those into consideration. And this was the challenges to start with and finding out exactly what the community wants. Then when we continued with the project, because we started in 2004, then we started having a good impact of our technique and we had a great deduction of mosquito populations in the area, especially the malaria factors. We had a deduction of about 60% and there are other mosquitoes that cause biting nuisance about 90%. And the community was saying, wow, this is very good. And they started now relaxing using the nets. And, you know, that's another challenge because now the net use was going down. The nets, I mean, the people started getting malaria and wondering why and we are using nets, but they are not using. And therefore, you have now to start developing new messages on how it happens when you decrease the mosquito populations, then you get fewer mosquito bites and therefore fewer malaria. And therefore, you have to sustain that so that people know and provide that information very clearly. So the community needs to become aware that few people become sick from malaria, and therefore, there is need to continue adhering to the preventive activities that you have already taught them about. So... For instance, now we are even wondering now, we are talking about new vector control tools like the gene drive. 
how do you introduce this now to the community? People will be told these are GMOs, and the people are so affirmative on on about GMOs. So we need to start working with the community, telling them about the tools that are doing, and we have doing this. You develop a local material, a local material that people will understand and will help you and tell them, if we do this and this, then it will be able to keep those mosquitoes out of the, the way. And that way they will help you even with better ideas. So community engagement from the start, from the beginning, is key if you want to succeed. Otherwise, it will be a major challenge. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very good points here. And I think this could be very much insightful to people who want to, as part of their work, involve the engagement of communities. Because you've touched on several aspects. I think, at least for my understanding, what I've understood is that at the level of participation, um, who should you involve, when you should involve them, making the key point that this should be from the start, right, and and through the whole process, but also being aware of uh, the resources that are necessary for this, because if you're involving communities and you're involving local resources as well, being mindful to this, and also being informed of the social cultural issues that are in ground and what you need to consider for the uh, for people that's relevant for them in terms of the optic of your interventions and of course the information that is being given uh, uh, what type of communication strategies do you have in place how clear are they locally and how meaningful are they for people so I think in terms of people who want to engage communities in their work these are very much uh, uh, very important kind of things to consider um, so moving on from there, and I think just kind of uh, finding a way of uh, um, wrapping uh, our very insightful discussion is that um, what do you see as the opportunities for improving uh, uh, engagement with communities in vector-borne disease research, uh, Dr. Charles? Uh, I think uh, I love working with the communities. And I love interacting with them because they will tell you exactly what they think about the disease that we are really talking about. So you need really to re-engage them and strengthen them. Yeah? Once you engage them and strengthen, then you can develop strategies that will lead up the control and elimination of the vector-borne diseases that you are talking about. Otherwise, if the community is not uh, strengthened and strategized, then possibly you'll not be able to get your goal. So that is what my, my parting also just to say, we need to do that and engage them, empower them, and sustainability will be there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Hamuda, uh, would you like to touch on that? Is, uh, what do you see as the relevance of engaging communities and the opportunities that are presented for improving this in terms of uh, integrated vector uh, management? Uh, actually, uh, me, myself, I'm working in the field more than 20 years. And actually, the community accept what we're doing and they are very happy. For that reason, uh, it is better for us even for the whole work that we're doing to involve him because really they afford us huge help and they, they believe what we're doing with them and they are very happy for that reason and consider that 
this is one is a huge opportunity for us to implement exactly, but you have to, to put them in the in the ground first and they will work with you. And actually many times I myself I mentioned for them what we doing is represent 30% only of the work that we need. The remaining 70% is done by you. And actually, for example, we distribute long, long last, long lasting next day for, to them free. But if not, use it. That means nothing. For that reason, we consider that they, they are supporting what we're doing by 70% and what we're doing just to represent 30%. For that reason, I'm, I'm surely enforced uh, us uh, to all people working in this uh, aspect to go direct to the community and involve them from the beginning, not like uh, just to come and say hello and give them something and left. And uh, I can say on this, for example, we we uh, get a challenge of low use of long-lasting nets. We did malaria indicator survey in 2017, uh, 2016, and the report uh, just. So overall uses of long lasting is 37% only, and we we develop a small uh, just a small project for UNICEF. And they support us by more than one million US dollars. We did advocacy campaign for the community. Uh, we came after six months. We did like a survey. We we see that really uh, the utilization rate is increased from 37 to 57. That means. Just in, in short time, that means the, the, the work of the community, the involvement of the community will give us clue for success, bright success story in the future. Okay, thank you. And uh, B, if you would like to come in and yeah, to conclude this session. Great. So thank you both so much. It's been such an insightful discussion today. Um, and for me, I think this theme that's come up so many times is this theme of sustainability um, and how important community engagement is in ensuring sustainability. And this also ties into the discussions that we've had about intersectoral collaboration, how bringing together not just the health sector, but as we have mentioned, agriculture, environment, education, NGOs, faith-based groups, schools, it's all so important to bring these sectors together to really have a holistic approach to managing these diseases. And as we've also noted, it means that you can target not just one disease, but multiple diseases that are happening in a single area. Um, and I think the points again about engaging communities from the start of the process, making sure that you're building capacity in those communities, empowering people to take responsibility for their own environment, but then also providing the technical support that's necessary to do this, I think is a really important point. Um, and yeah, in a landscape where you know, increasing uh, insecticide resistance is becoming really problematic. These different approaches, these sort of complementary approaches are only going to become more important. So thank you so much for raising all these points today. And it's been really, really interesting to speak to you both. Um, so thank you so much for joining. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.